Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Warriors This Week continues on 95.7 The Game. What is this, Ken? What is this? This one of your, your New York beats? That's Trick Daddy right there, Miami's finest. Ah. I'm a thug. I'm a thug. <laughs> I, I ain't. <laughs> I ain't. That's for sure. That's Dan Devone. Evan Giddings with you here. One hour in, two hours to go on Warriors This Week. We are taking your calls at 888-957-9570. The Warriors right now, five games above 500, 24 games to go. They come off a 3-1 and week, only lost to Denver. Then they go on the road. They take down Washington. They take down New York. They beat Toronto last night on a back-to-back. And then they get the Boston Celtics tomorrow afternoon at the Garden, the number one team in the NBA, having won their last 10. The Warriors have won eight in a row on the road. And the last three, I think, have been... Because of what you talked about, Dan, which is their depth and their younger players continuing to emerge. And I just wonder, with Andrew Wiggins being out due to personal reasons, and it looks like he's going to miss tomorrow, I expect him to miss, I don't know, a total of maybe, you know, in between five and ten games. At that point, if the Warriors continue to play good basketball, like for example, if they win tomorrow in Boston, which we all certainly hope they do, then it does pose the question of, well, should Moody continue to start? And should Wiggins, who throughout this season has come off the bench and due to a lack of production, but the Warriors began this run about a month and a half ago with Wiggins in the lineup with Kamingo with Draymond primarily coming back, gluing them together. Do you believe that if the Warriors play and continue this play at this level of basketball, that Moody is someone that can continue, should continue to be in the starting five? Well, either way, he needs to play. Yeah. So either he continues to start if things are going well for the Golden State Warriors, but he certainly has proven, if he stays in this trajectory, that he's got to get in that rotation. You've got to get this guy minutes. I still see him as a really, really good bench player. When I see him play as as, uh, as effective as he is as a starter, I think on a good team, he's you know six or seven or eight in the rotation. But would I be surprised if Steve Kerr said, you know, we're sitting Wiggins and going with Moody? No, not at all. And I think a lot of people in Dub Nation would be down with that. But either way, this idea of him disappearing for a couple of weeks 
and getting DMP'd and not playing at all. Like, I think Moody has now made the case that that has to end. Like, let's stop that nonsense, okay? We've seen what it is that he can do. And everything that people have been clamoring for, that Moses Moody can provide, and he's a guy that's a baller, he's a good guy, keeps his nose clean, and not only that, this dude has effort on just about every play. And I'm, you know, I'm all about that youthful energy. And it's another guy in his early 20s that, if nothing else, if he's a starter, certainly could see that. But if he's not, I think at the end of the day, what we've recognized is that Moody now has made the clear statement for himself and to everybody else that he deserves to get run. I wholeheartedly agree. I think that in regards to the question about identity, Curry seems to feel like it's close to solved. The identity of this team, to me, is experience, it's toughness, it's being undersized, and most importantly, it's a next-man-up mentality that everyone on that team has now embodied, and none more so recently than Moses Moody. You look at the three games, he's a plus 36. 12.5 points in 27 minutes. He's also getting multiple steals. He's also blocking shots. He's now shooting in a small sample size, 44% from three-point range. That's a guy that has carved out a role for himself, whether it's as a starter as a bench player, he has taken full opportunity of his moment. And I'm very interested to see what he does against Boston because this is a guy that, to your point, gives you heart. He gives you hustle. And I think he raises the floor of this team. I'm not sure he raises and pushes the ceiling, but you know exactly what you're going to get on a given night from Moses Moody. And that, to me, is valuable, whether it's 15 minutes, whether it's 20 minutes, whether it's been playing at 27 like he has the last three games. This is a guy that the Warriors, I think, need. And that's what I've learned over the last three games and have learned over the course of this season watching Moody. When Wiggins is out, they need Moody. Even when Wiggins comes back, whenever he does, I think they still need Moses Moody. Uh, Will he be the difference between them winning a championship and not? Probably not. But it is unquestionably a position to where the Warriors are better when he plays. And I think that minutes need to be found from other pieces and other places in this roster to prioritize this guy because he's earned it. And this is what I think you do, specifically. Dario Saric, out of the rotation. Tavon Looney, out of the rotation. Pajemski, you know I was a big fan of Pajemski and starting and replacing Klay Thompson before it ever happened, but I don't think that he needs to get as much run as he said. I think he can, in other words, I think Moses Moody can take some of the minutes from that of Pajemski, and he could also take the minutes from Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson's been good coming off the bench, but he's gets so much time. Like the love affair that Steve Kerr has with Clay Thompson, it's almost as if I feel bad taking you out of the starting line. But I tell you what, I'm going to make sure that you play. Mm-hmm. He got what thirty minutes? A, he gets say he gets like thirty minutes a game now, and yeah, he he can be good, but he doesn't need to get that much run. Not at the expense. When I'd like to see a little Trace Jackson, I'd like to see you know Moses Moody a little bit more. So if he doesn't start. I think the first thing you do is, okay, Kevon Looney and Pajemski, you guys are out of the rotations because I can't juggle. I can't continue to do this with 12 guys. So I'm going to make it a little easier on myself and play 10. Even at 10, it's challenging. Okay, how do I get Moody some more run? Well, I'm going to reduce some of the minutes that I've been giving to Clay Thompson as well as Pajemski, as well as removing the other two guys from the rotation. That, to me, is a start. 
Interesting. I'm curious what fans feel about that. 888-957-9570 is the number. 925 Comcast Business Text Line would take Moody over Pajemski in a heartbeat. All pods can do on defense is take a charge, and other players will soon tire of this tactic. I'm not so sure about that. I think Pajemski is valuable. But it's interesting, as we move closer to the playoffs, we will begin to think about, okay, what does the rotation look like? Who needs to be in the rotation? And that's where I do think that Kerr, whenever Wiggins comes back, will ramp him up to the point where he can get back into the starting lineup. Because at the end of the day, the playoffs are about dudes. They're about guys. And Wiggins is, due to his experience, further along than someone like Moses Moody. So if Wiggins misses, say, 10 games, I think at first, Moody's still starting as they get Wiggins healthy, as they get him back into shape. But... To me, the postseason is still... You still need Wiggins to unlock the best version of this team. And that, to me, is is what's frustrating about the personal uh, leave of absence. Is I'm curious how it's going to mesh when he comes back. Is it just going to be a flawless, seamless fit when he returns? How does that impact Moody? Does that matter? And I, I just wonder how fans are feeling about the team right now without Wiggins. So again, 888-957-9570. Let's get out to Austin from San Jose. Uh, always a voice of reason here on 95.7 The Game. Austin, my man, how are you? Hey, fellas, what's going on? Listen, uh, just a couple comments. One is just uh, on Moody. Um, I've been I've been back and forth on this guy. I, I like him, but mm-hmm. I'm not. I want to say more. I want to see more. Um, small sample size. Uh, I think the real issue with Moody. I think the reason why he wasn't playing. It's not because Carr's an idiot. It's because if you really think about Moody, we got to figure out what he does well every night. Um, jack of all trades is really not a good place to be in the NBA. So if you're going to stay in the NBA, you have to say, what is he going to be? Is he going to be a defender? Is he going to be a shooter? Is he going to be a two-way guy? I don't see him as a Wiggins. Um, I don't see him as a Clay Thompson. So at least in terms of career, I, he's somewhere in the middle is where he is, but I think that's where – Moody struggles. So let's see him over 10 games. Let's see what he turns out to be before we start saying, hey, he's got to play. Yeah, he's got to play now, but you got to see whether he can be that consistent guy over time. The other question I had was kind of throwing something on the table, guys. you got one guy you can bring back next year, either um, CP3 or Clay Thompson. Who who are you bringing back on a two-year? Clay Thompson or CP3? And you can only break one. So mm. let me know what you think. Thanks. Austin, that's a great question. I mean, I have my answer, Dan. I think it's pretty clear. Go ahead. It's Clay Thompson. And I I love Chris Paul. I think he's been very good for this team. But, for example, to just use Moses Moody, I think one reason that I've been hesitant about Moses, and we talk about like the numbers game, or have talked about the numbers game, is to me, I, I just don't think he I I don't think he shoots it well enough from three point range. I don't, and he has over these three games, but over the course of his career, he's about league average or less and has been less than league average for the majority of the season that to me is an issue if you're not a plus plus defender if you're not supremely athletic and to austin's point is kind of a master of none moody has shot it really well on this road trip so far and that to me has been unlocking a lot for the warriors but where else outside of curry do you have consistent three-point shooting that, to me, is something that only Klay Thompson right now can bring. And unless you're going to replace that this offseason, I would prioritize him over Chris Paul. It's a great question. Really a good question. Because, to me, there's not an easy answer. 
And while I agree with what it is that you say, because he is the one guy, and it's the reason why, probably to answer my own question, why Steve Kerr plays him so much, because he's in that second unit now, which means typically Steph is sitting a lot of the times. And so when Steph is sitting, who's the other guy that's going to give you perimeter shooting? It's Clay Thompson. But at the same time, Clay Thompson's lack of consistency is something you really have to take into consideration. And Clay Thompson, more than the other two older players on this team, namely Steph Curry and Draymond Green, shows his age to me more than anybody else. Last night he was good, but he just, you know, what you have to understand is that defensively, you know, he is not the same guy. And all that energy that I talked about that the young players provide, that is not Clay Thompson any longer. Clay Thompson at times is just somebody that's just there and is is taking up space and his at times it's so clear that the the his better years are so far in the rearview mirror but then you know he'll get into a zone and provides that perimeter shooting that is so valued not only with the Golden State Warriors throughout the league but you, you offset that when you think about what it is that Chris Paul's been able to do with his basketball teams, that calming force, almost like a player's coach, doesn't turn the ball over, has everybody in the right spot. I mean, we talk about Draymond Green's impact when he came back to this team. To me, it's been very noticeable with Chris Paul back. Chris Paul is is a calming influence, and he is, you know, he he makes this team better. He is somebody that just with a ball in his hands, you feel secure. At times, the Warriors just play with their hair on fire, and that can be really volatile, really good. And at other times, it's like, oh my God, somebody please put this out. And he, he's sort of that that steadying factor that just doesn't let you get you know out of control, and you just feel as though Dad's home. You know, <laughs> there's a there's a parent in the room, and so I don't know. I mean, it, it's not as 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 easy an answer to a question that for you, as, for me, as it was for you, mm. um, because I, I see Chris Paul as being somebody that that really is a, a major contributor to this basketball team, and Clay Thompson is sort of a hit or miss. But I recognize the outside shooting and what it is that he does in terms of spacing, in terms of drawing crowds and double teams and opening opportunities, especially in the pick and roll, as we've seen with Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, there's not a lot of guys that have that gravitational pull like that of Clay Thompson, which I fully recognize. But then the drop-off is something that you really... The warts on him is something that you really have to consider at age 34 now. The other answer, just really quick, to address what it is that Austin had to say... When he's talking about, you know, jack of all trades, those sort of players, and I forgot how he phrased it, are not necessarily somebody that, you know, they don't have the same level of importance. And I would push back a little bit when you think about, I mentioned Drew Holiday, sort of a jack of all trades kind of guy, Caruso with Chicago and LA, jack of all trade kind of guy, and and somebody that we're certainly familiar with, and and Andre Iguodala sort of fits under that, that heading. So, I think those guys are really, really invaluable. I think the the guys that do everything that maybe aren't the star players and, and maybe can't shoot it like you mentioned, like Steph, or but but are somebody that D it up, that go on both ends, that get you rebounds, that make the right pass, that that have that length uh, as those coveted wing players that you know from that six seven to six eight frame. Uh, guys like that are really real well, well they not may not be star players. And they don't maybe they're not the first guy you recognize in a roster, but they they have a remarkable, remarkable value. I think to a to a winning team. Well, that's why he's valuable. 
I mean, it's and it's not just the the master of none description. To me, it's it it's because he's a wing. Like you need wings in the NBA to win, and you need high level wings. So the hope is that Kaminga and Moody, and Kaminga's further along, but that those two players can turn into solid wing players. Now, I I guess I I'd push back in the sense that okay, what does Drew Holiday do well? Uh, he can guard the number one option on an opposing team. Caruso the same, Iguodala the same. Like those guys are maybe not. You know, you don't look at them and say this is the one thing that they you know, excel at. They just do everything well. But they're also three of the best two-way players. You know that, that we've seen. So Moody, I wouldn't consider yet a two-way player, but he's got a seven-foot wingspan. He's six-six, six-seven. That in and of in and of itself is valuable. And I think against players like we've seen, like, we can only take the last three games. But for example, I thought the job he did on say Jalen Brunson was his most impressive. Brunson's a good player. Now, he was missing a few of his running mates. But Brunson also isn't a guy that can beat you with speed. Like Mo- like Moody, to me, is a perfect matchup against someone like Brunson because where Brunson excels is using his physicality, kind of the low-man-wins mentality, to either get into the paint, take small step-backs, or be able to to get to his spot and make Jays. Moody is able to stay with him because Brunson doesn't have great foot speed. Against someone like Boston, I'm... I wonder if Moses Moody can stay in front of Drew Holiday, if he can stay in front of Jason Tatum, players that are both strong as well as quick and more athletic than, say, Brunson. So that, to me, is going to be a great test. But I I am with Austin in the sense that I do think we need to see more from him. But to me, it doesn't negate the fact that over these three games, when he's gotten a chance to start that he has elevated the floor just the way that Pajemski has elevated the floor of this starting lineup. And that, to me, is valuable. Even though you're not looking at I mean, they're not putting up 25 a night. They're not going to go hit 10 threes. But they don't hurt you when they're in. And when you have Curry with Dre, with Kaminga, three players that are going to take the reins of the game and impose their will in different ways, then you you just need players around them that will do their job. And Moses Moody does that better than... A lot of players on this right. Like, that's one of the reasons why Chris Paul's so good. You know exactly what you're going to get from him. And in regards to the question about Clay or CP this summer, you know, to me, I, I'm i not trying to downplay how good Chris Paul is and how good he's been for this team. But they started to make their run and turn this season around when Chris Paul was hurt. To me, I look at Chris Paul as gravy. I think he's a fantastic addition off the bench. He's a floor general. He's someone that can help you in multiple areas. And he kind of fills gaps to me, Clay Thompson, now that he's on the bench, yes, he's inconsistent. But when he has a night, like he did, say, against Washington, that's a that's a game that you can just win by Clay Thompson getting getting you 25. They were up 16 in the first quarter and the second quarter, pardon me, against Denver because Clay Thompson shot the hell out of the basketball. I thought they lost the game against Denver because outside of Clay, there was nobody that had and imposed their will in the second half including Clay, but there was no one that really stepped up in that game. They were a, they were ahead in that game because of Clay. I don't know if Chris Paul's got a 25-point half in him at this point in his career. No, he's and he never has. I, th- I don't think that's the reason why the Warriors got him, but the thing I think with Clay Thompson is that he's become very one-dimensional, and if he's not shooting it well, the question then becomes, well, what is it that he's he's providing for your basketball team? And I, I would argue that he's become a bit of a liability defensively, although Clay? he had big rebounds. Or, yeah, Clay oh, Thompson. Yeah, yeah. I think he had big rebound numbers uh, against Toronto, but he's not... You talk about Moses Moody. Clay Thompson isn't staying in front of people any longer. And he's really become an area of... Now he's 
He's another one of those guys, deceptively at, at 6'6", six, six, uh, six, that that has the ability to you know to get out on the wing and defend guys and and has that length. But he's not the he's not the defensive player he once was. And if he's not shooting it well, you know then. You know, then where are you at with a guy who's now at, in his mid thirties? I think Clay. Excuse me. I, I think when you talk about Chris Paul, has really it's it's difficult to sort of you know when you think about Chris Paul to quantify what it is that he does that makes him so good. But you look at you know the pick and roll, and you knew this was going to happen with him and Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, he makes the Golden State Warriors just a better basketball team. And this is the very reason why they, they went out and, and they were able to get him. So uh, it's an interesting question going forward when you think about you know Clay Thompson, if it's an either-or between those two. I mean, ideally, you'd like to keep both of those guys coming off the bench. I mean, how many times does Steve Kerr talk about, now I've got the luxury <laughs> of having two Hall of Famers coming off of my bench? That's true, but I, I do think that Austin brings up the, the point of which in all likelihood, both of them are not going to be on the team next year because of the emphasis on getting below the second apron. If you bring both of them back, financially, it's just not feasible. Uh, Chris Paul's gone. I agree. And I think that's because as much as I... Like, this is where you're spot on. Like, the quantifiable aspect of Chris Paul's game, to me, is not... It doesn't do him justice. Like, for example, I could be off base with this, I'm curious what people think about it at 888-957-9570. I don't think Klay Thompson comes off the bench if Chris Paul is not on this team. And the reason being, Chris Paul set the tone of the season by starting 1,000-plus NBA games and saying, I can be the sixth man by sacrificing. I think players have done that in the past for the Warriors. That's been a, a staple of their culture. Andre Iguodala was the first to sacrifice. Steph Curry's come off the bench. Draymond Green has come off the bench. Chris Paul, at the beginning of this season, had to come off the bench to help the Warriors win. I don't know if Klay Thompson is as okay with having his role relegated unless there's another first ballot Hall of Famer that's there with him. Klay Thompson has never come off the bench before this season. I don't think he wanted to, necessarily, but he understands that's what's better for the team. And the person who set that standard at the beginning of this season is Chris Paul. So that's where I think he also adds, from a leadership standpoint, much more to this team that can go in a box score. Well, yeah, I think you have to keep in mind and remember when he didn't close earlier this year and he had that conversation with uh, Anthony Slater, the athletic, and he talked about it. He was pretty contrite and said, you know, this is tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people interpreted that he was being really forthright about how difficult it is for him and older players to recognize they're no longer that guy. And I think that, that he he had to have known that the writing was on the wall. He could see what Pajemski was able to do. And he was also his worst critic, knowing that he was no longer shooting the ball as effectively as he once did. So I think that it may not have been imminent, but I do think making the transition from him to the bench was something that... Uh, if it didn't happen uh, earlier this year, it was almost inevitable that it was going to happen at some point. So, yeah, he. and how is he to handle at that point? Well, sometimes when your hand's forced and you're not shooting it well and another guy who's much younger is playing uh, is playing at the pace and, and the level that, that Pajemski was able to, to demonstrate early on this year, um, it's either, you know, you know what you, you you don't really have a case to be made at that point. So I think that the transition from him to the bench is a little bit maybe dissimilar to that of Andre Iguodala 
as well as Chris Paul. Um, so I, I think that the one issue I have is that he continues to play a lot of minutes, man. A lot, a lot of minutes. And all that tells me is that Steve Kerr, as much as we talk about the youth and as much as the youth has been able to, to make a difference of this Golden State Warrior team, that Steve Kerr is still inclined at the end of the day. Someone's pointing a gun in his head. It's like, I'm, I'm going with my guys, man. I, I still believe in Clay Thompson and mm-hmm. not Trace Jackson Davis. And I'm not giving Jonathan Kaminga more minutes. And I'm, I'm not giving run to these other guys because I'm still going down with these. Like, there is not... I, I'm telling Steve... The one thing with Steve Kerr to me that is not notable is that... You know, he's been a willing participant to let these young players develop and become the new identity of winning basketball for the Golden State Warriors as we enter this new era. While you still have Steph being Steph, but again, I don't want to, you know, get all dramatic again and talk about the youth. Yeah. But he just has he's not somebody that has it's it's happened simply because his hand was forced. Moses Moody's getting time for one reason and one reason only, and that's because Andrew Wiggins is doing whatever the hell it is that he's doing, his personal reasons, he's gone, and now Moses Moody is playing. It's not because Steve Kerr had the wherewithal to play this guy because he recognizes he can be an addition to this team. And the same could be true to a certain extent with Jonathan Kaminga, to Pajemski, to any young player. It's simply because Kerr had to, not because he wanted to. I would disagree. I Like... Look, you're right. I mean, the beginning of the season, the vets were prioritized. And I think come postseason time, we might see some vets prioritized. But, and we've kind of talked about this. Like, I don't know at the beginning of the season what fans wanted or what media members wanted from Kerr to immediately just play and start Pajemski or play and start TJD or Kaminga is probably a better example. Like, Kaminga was supposed to just start at the beginning of the season. I know at some point he was, quote, out of the rotation, and I think that was a mistake. Moody, for example, not finishing against the Kings all the way back, that was a mistake. But Kerr's learned from those experiences. And that's why I do think that the Warriors, as opposed to this year, are in a different place because they're not coming off of a championship. I don't know if it's being forced to, to play these guys, but I think there's a willingness now to lean more into the younger players because you are removed one more year from a championship. There isn't the expectation of getting... like The expectation for the Warriors this year to me is to get back to where you did last year, to get to the second round. Anything beyond that is incredible. But I just... I, I don't know, man. Like I'm looking at the minutes and the totals for this team right now, and I know it's not exactly what, what you're saying, but Kaminga's played the third most minutes of any player on the team this year. Pajemski's played fourth most minutes of any player on the team this year. Like, Moses Moody's creeping up. Trace Jackson's creeping up. Kevon Looney's kind of been shrunk out of the world. Like, last night, TJD played six more minutes than Kevon Looney did. Over the last five games, he's played more than Kevon Looney has. And that's a champion. That's a three-time champ. Klay Thompson's now on the bench for Pajemski, who's a rookie. Like, I know it's taken a long time to get here, but there's 24 games left in an 82-game season, and now we're at the point where the young players are in the mix, in which I think the melting pot has become more of a, you know, an all-encompassing flavor. It's young, it's old, it's experience, it's youth. That to me is is not something that I guess I, I expected from the beginning of the season. So it, I don't know. It's taken a long time to get here, but I guess I would push back on the fact that Kerr has just been unwilling 
to give young guys opportunity. No, not unwilling. He's just slow to the party. I think he's recognized, like I said, in his press conference last night, where he's like, yeah, at the beginning of the year, we thought we would use the same formula like we did two years ago to win a title. And things have changed. So it, it certainly wasn't in his thought process at the beginning of the year that I've got some young talent and I've got an older roster. I'm going to look to sort of work in some of these younger players. That's going to be sort of what I envision, sort of the winning formula or ingredient or recipe for this team is I'm going to, I've seen what it is Chase Jackson can do. Chase Jackson Davis can do. I've seen Pajemski and I know Kaminga's got, so I'm going to make a concerted effort from day one to make sure that I bring these guys along so that when we get to the All-Star break or we get, you know, ankle deep into the season, you will know the identity of this team and what it is that I, Steve Kerr, want to do, and that is to get these youngsters some run. No, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think that that's been what it is that, that, that we've witnessed up to this point. I don't think he's been a willing participant. I think he's had to make those a lot of those decisions. And I want to continue that conversation on the other side. If you want to get into it, 888-957-9570 is the number. Is Kerbin late to the party? Has he been forced into this situation? How much credit does he get for a 13-3 and stretch over the last 16 games? Are you giving it mostly to the players? Are you giving some of it to the coach? How are you divvying up that pie right now as the Warriors stand five games above 500 heading into Boston tomorrow? That's Dan Devone. My name is Evan Giddings. We're back after this and Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. Halfway home on a Saturday morning, as always, Warriors this week. Dan Devone, Evan Giddings rocking with you. Warriors are 13-3 and in their last 16. Thanks to the 5-1 on the Comcast Business Text Line. Game high in points. Curry's got 10. Clay's got 4. Wiggins with 1. Kaminga with 1. Youngers have been starting. But Curry and Clay are still doing a lot of the scoring. I, I like... I... I think that's that's an interesting point to, to kind of look at. Yes, we are talking about the young players. Moses Moody's been a lot better. Kaming, I thought, was a man amongst boys in New York. But at the end of the day, we're right. It's funny. We've been we've been doing this show for about 90 minutes, and 
the contributions of one Stephen Curry haven't really come up a whole lot. And I honestly, Dan, I, I got to apologize to the man a little bit because I suggested, I think it maybe was the last show we did, but also earlier in the week that he he looked tired. And you know, I, I think he might have needed a game off on the back-to-back. And five games before the game in, I think it was New York, you know, he was shooting 28% from three. And then ho-hum, he breaks out of his slump, posts 30 points against New York, has another big game last night in Toronto, and it's just pretty much back to usual, 25-6-6 and for the chef. Yeah, wait, I'm sorry. You <laughs> if good? I see my name up there, I've got to like, you know, because it, it's all about me. It's, yeah. it's the Danavon Retirement Fund, right? That's what this show is all about. So. <laughs> does So I was talking about the youth movement, and somebody chimed in, does that apply to older radio hosts, Dan? Yes, it does. Hey, I'm looking, man. I'm 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 ready to to part, move out of the way, and let young Evan Giddings, who is, doesn't need me to move out of the way before he makes his statement. But yeah, it applies to all. Listen, it's a young person's world, man, including every facet, including sex, man. You you, you get older, I man. I'm telling you, man. It's it's a young person's world <laughs> at, at every level. That's that's who owns this thing, especially when it comes to sports. It is about. The, you, now listen, you want to have, if you're completely young, then you become Detroit, right? Or, you know, if you're, you're young with no guidance and you become a, you know, a, a team that yeah. needs some level of experience like that of Steph Curry. I'm glad you mentioned Steph because the one thing that scares me about, about Steph Curry is that, you know, is that injury going to happen? Sorry to even go there, but like every year. Strike it from the record. Every year there has been something, right? And it's actually been beneficial to the words. It's sort of this inadvertent load management. He's out for a couple of weeks. He's out, but it usually happens towards the early or middle part of the season. You can ill afford to lose him now. And you know the same thing is. I was reading and talking to a buddy out in Los Angeles that they're saying the same thing about LeBron. Usually he misses that, you know, 15 to 20, 25 games. It hasn't happened this year. Yeah. It's like, ugh, they're so LeBron centric that that can happen at, at this point as you, you know, we're at the top of the stretch. That's true. But this is also where I think, and <laughs> sorry, sidetracked. Uh, my name's not in this text, but yours is from the 510 of the Comcast business text line. And it, it applies after your, your last statement, Dana. Let the let Devone jacket. Let Devone jacket. Thank you. Look, it's a young man's game. Also, shout out eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. If anybody wants to guess Dan Devone's age, please feel free to call in. We're taking all suggestions. He has a very ambiguous look, but he is a young, older man. Kind of like yeah, the Steph Curry of the much, show. Like, kind of like yeah, a Steph Curry. You know? Awkwardly dancing around this. Curry doesn't look thirty five going on thirty six, but he is. So did he have his fourth child or she's I think she's just pregnant. Again, ah. it's the fifth, you know, because Boston's in there. But yeah. no, you're right. It's I like that. <laughs> Yeah, he's gonna have his fourth child. Oh my gosh. He has got a way to go to be, to beat uh, Philip Rivers, but he's Oh, Philip Rivers or Sean Kemp, but or Antonio Cromartie. <laughs> he's, he's on his way. <laughs> well, the home. difference is is that Steph Curry is still married to. Uh, yes, the yes, of course, having, of course, uh, of course. All, course. No. Of his. all, oh all, the, all the best of the Currys. Uh, let's go. Let's get back into Steve Kerr though before we um, pivot here. I, there is something fun I want to get to, and actually, I, you have a very rare expertise that I think can apply to a situation that we saw at the tail end of the New York game between Draymond and one Bonte Hill. But before we get into that, let's go back to Clayton. Talk to Khaled. Wants to talk about Steve Kerr. What's up, Khaled? You're on Warriors this week. How are you? Uh, doing good, Dan and Evan. Hope you guys are having a great weekend. Um, wanted to, you know, just chime in and say that I think Steve Kerr's 
contribution to this 13 and three runs being, you know, heavily underrated. I mean, it's, I, you know, he catches hell all the time when the team's not doing well or when their favorite players aren't being put in. But as soon as they strike fire, it's always, always the players. So it's the players got together and, and they did this, but people don't understand the delicate balance that this guy has to walk because Steph Curry has a lot to do with who's on the floor at certain times as well. I mean, it's, if people don't think that Steph has conversations, maybe not during the game, but has conversations in regards to his preferred guys that are out there with them, they're crazy. And, you know, imagine having all of these veterans with these younger players and having the depth that they honestly have. Their depth is actually a detriment to an extent, and it's admirable what he's been able to do to walk that balance between keeping Steph and the veterans happy and also developing the young guys. And if anyone, if I ever hear again that they're not developing young guys <laughs> after what we've seen with Kaminga, with even Moody, who's been getting DMPs, but you see what he's doing, um, with you know, Brandon Pajemski, TJD, you know, talent is one thing, but to see the influence that he and the other coaches have had on them in regards to getting them to buy into the system and work with a very difficult player like Steph in the sense, not difficult by attitude, but difficult in regards to learning how you have to function within that organic system that they run with all the cutting, the screens and all the rest of that stuff. That's, that's not an easy thing. I got you, Khaled. Sorry, Devone was chuckling at the at the text line. I believe <laughs> I just asked how old everyone thinks he is, and <laughs> the numbers are staggering. Thanks for the call, Khaled. Yeah, look, it, you're younger than Steve Kerr. How about that? You know, well, here's the thing: when it comes to Coach Kerr, I don't think that. Uh, don't get it wrong. Uh, where would you put him as coaches right now in the NBA? He's like right at the very top. Top, to me. Five, top five. Top, no doubt. Yeah. Top three. I. I I'm sorry, if I'm starting a new franchise and I can't get Popovich and I can't get Spo in Miami, I'm going Steve Kerr. Shoot, um, I might take Kerr over Popovich right now. Yeah, well, because Popovich is 87 years old. But, you know... Devon is not. I do not have... Uh, so, uh, let that just let me just start there and preface by saying this dude is still uh, remarkable as a coach. Remarkable in that he still gets the respect of his players He's still level-headed. Oh, it was fun. Yes, did you see him last night? Chew some butt, which he doesn't do. Oh, yeah, at the anymore. beginning of the game, he was pissed. That yeah, was awesome. Was quick to time. And see, that's just it. Wasn't it the ref? When you don't do it frequently and it's infrequent and you chew somebody out, it's like, it, it's like whoa, we've done something wrong and we need to wake up and get going because Coach never necessarily is dropping F-bombs directed at us. Like that was fun. No, but that that's one of the one of the parts about Steve Kerr I I just I love. Like he is at his core like a competitive, fiery SOB. Like he can unleash that upon players and I'm sure he doesn't practice more. But Steve Kerr's the kind of guy like he's a consummate pro at the podium. Um I think he's had been through so many walks of life that he just understands people and is great with understanding where he fits in and how people's relationships kind of you know navigate themselves through sports but if he wants to chew your ass out like he I feel like he's the kind of guy who can swear like a sailor or likes to swear like a sailor at times to prove his point and you get little glimpses of it from time to time but it was funny we were at we were at the bar yesterday the cafeteria yesterday and at the beginning of the game you know the Warriors come out a little flat I think Toronto goes up well like 17-9 or something like that and Kerr's just fiery. 
And at first I thought he was yelling at a ref. Because there might have been a call that was missed or something, but no, like he was he was chewing out his players on the tail end of a back to back after getting in at seven a.m. because the plane had mechanical issues. Your team's tired; they're probably run ragged from the night before in New York. They're feeling themselves a little bit. They got to go through customs. They're pissed. They're tired. They're frustrated. And here's Steve Kerr, like, no mfers, like get your ass up. This is a game we got to win. And I just, I love that part of Steve Kerr because you know he's got it in him. And you're right, he doesn't show it often. And it was an ATO. It was right after a time. He had just taken a timeout. And coaches are very sensitive to, we'll call timeout, stop the bleeding, call a play. But if you screw that up and go right back to where you were pre-timeout, that really gets after him. And so he had two quick timeouts. And just went after his players. I think the misperception with Kerr, I think a lot of people think he's just this really smart, nice guy, well-read, articulate, kid next door. Go look at his playing career. This dude, there's a reason why Michael Jordan laid him out. Like He's (laughs) a feisty dude. He'll get in your face. And he's been in more than one scrap in his NBA career. Uh, and I'm with you. It's one of the reasons why I appreciate the guy as well. I like him as a head coach, but just like any coach, just like any player, we all love Steph, but they're not beyond criticism. And I think even Steve would, would if you were to have a beer with him, maybe not. Uh, at the end of the day, would say, "Yeah, I've been a little bit, I've been a little bit slow to the party, recognizing some of the youth on this team." And that's all I'm pointing out. This isn't an indictment that he sucks as a coach, and I never wanted to be that guy when they were losing saying this is Kerr's fault. And I think yeah. if you listen to the show, we never did that. I'm just saying, and this is I'm not speaking for you, this is just me. I do think that if there's, you know, Steve Kerr, if there's any sort of criticism to be leveled at him this year, is that he was it took time for him to sort of recognize what was taking place in front of his very eyes. That it wasn't just it just wasn't youth. It was impactful, talented youth that combined uh, with that of the experience and the Steph Currys of the world that you might have something here. And that's clearly what's happening to this basketball team. But I still think, you know, at the end of the day, that push comes to shove, he's going to lean towards a Clay Thompson getting 30 minutes a game as opposed to Moses Moody cutting into those minutes or Trace Jackson Davis getting some runs. So I still think while he certainly embraced it, and you could see it, but I still think it's sort of an ongoing situation. I think that criticism is fair. Just like during the losing streak, criticism of some of the players was fair. Criticism of Clay Thompson during his slump and his you know, attitude in the locker, I think that was fair. Um, I think criticism of Draymond Green this year has been fair, although apparently not from Bonte Hill. And I think that Steve Kerr is someone to me. The way I feel about Kerr is this. You, you, just, you can't have it both ways, right? If you don't believe that he can develop young players, well, you can't say that he has it. Like, I should say this. I can let me phrase that better. The Warriors now have players that are younger, two 21-year-olds in the starting lineup, essentially, even though Pods didn't start last night. So you can't say that he hasn't developed players. And I don't necessarily think it's the head coach's job to develop players. I think it's his job to win. I also don't think that Kerr has been someone that's been totally reluctant to lean in on young players. I think it's just a situation, and it's very rare in the NBA where you have three veteran members of a dynasty, or whatever the dynasty is now at this point, and trying to bring upon like the next wave. I just think that's a very hard needle to thread for 
a top five head coach, for a Hall of Fame head coach, for a bottom five head, like for any position or any head coach that would be in Steve Kerr's position, I'd like to think he's done a pretty damn good job. Like Eric Spolstra, for example, I think he's the best head coach in the NBA. I don't know how much further along these players would be if Spo was their head coach because Spo in, in Miami has never had to prioritize cha- prioritize champions outside of LeBron and D Wade and all the and in, and on those teams the veterans were playing. There was no young players that were coming up during the Miami dynasty that have now taken over the reins. It happened after they left. They went and got Jimmy Butler. They drafted Bam Adebayo. They drafted Tyler Hero. They've developed players, but not from a place of their dynasty. It's taken them time to get over the... So, like, I I guess when someone says Kerr hasn't done a very good job this year, I'm not saying you're saying that. I think what you're saying is fair, that he's been late to the party at points. My thing is, I, I just don't know who else would be doing a significantly better job than what he's done right now. And I'm with the caller. If the 13-3 and is something that is, we're going to give credit to Dre, we're going to give credit to Steph, we're going to give credit to Kaminga and Pajemski and Clay for taking a new role, Paul coming back, Moody emerging, all this stuff, credit has to be given to the head coach. Because if we're going to come down his road, on the flip side, he's also the head coach of a team that is the second hottest team in the NBA right now. He, it's almost, you know, it's, it's an admission much like that of... Uh, or an omission, I should say. Much like that of Steph Curry. You just pointed it out. We're like, you know, two hours deep into the show, and we're talking about the Golden State Warriors in this 13 and 3 run, eight wins on the road, and we haven't even talked about the exploits of Steph Curry and how good he's been. I think it's almost sort of baked in at this point that we recognize it goes without saying how good of a coach he is, and that none of this happens without Steve Kerr. This whole dynasty is attributed to, yes, the big three, but Steve Kerr is also a big, big part of that. I think it's sort of woven into the fabric. Like mm-hmm. we Do we at this point really have to underline the fact that Steve Kerr has a lot to do with a 13-3 and three run? I think you do that for a coach that maybe is a little bit maligned, and you're like, oh, well, you know, this guy, this, this head coach necessarily, you know, we need to, to recognize what it is that, that his contributions have been. I think Steve Kerr at this point has established himself as one of the premier coaches, not only currently in the NBA, but I'd say historically one of the best to ever do it. So the bar is extremely high for him and the Golden State Warriors. Why I think it's more glaring when you see a mistake because they're so infrequent. And to me, while people don't necessarily have to agree, I think that you know Steve Kerr is usually on top of everything. And very rarely can you point at something and say, yeah, I think you're missing it here. But to me... Uh, one of the few times during his remarkable run with the Golden State Warriors, which has been a challenging year, obviously this year coaching for the Golden State Warriors, is the fact that you know he has not been readily embracing a youth movement that I think has been there from day one. Yeah, and one thing that's been synonymous with Steve Kerr's teams, and Uncle Looney points this out on the YouTube chat, powered by First NorCal Credit Union, coaching is about managing egos. You can see the chemistry in his great Kerr is, and a lot of the credit has to go to the coaching staff. I, I agree. Like The Warriors are synonymous with chemistry and culture outside of last season for very obvious reasons. I think that even though some of that residue still remains in particular areas, they've done about as good of a job as you can of wiping whatever plagued them last season off of the court away from the organization. And I'm not just pointing the finger at Jordan Poole. I think there's been internal growth from a lot of players that have had agendas. And Clay Thompson was one of them. 
Chris Paul might have been one of them coming into the season. Draymond Green. Um, I, I think that's maybe why the Andrew Wiggins leave of absence is not concerning, but I think just... Like, there's a little PTSD for a lot of people when they hear out for personal reasons, and there's a family matter, because last year, he came back, and he ended up playing hurt in the playoffs. So, I think if the Warriors are to be at their best, Andrew Wiggins needs to be on this team. Um, but it's it's difficult to envision, or not, I guess, go down the road of, oh, well, here we go again. So, you know, I, I think that Kerr also... Like, during this stretch, you know, it's uh, primarily Green, Kaminga, Wiggins. That's really been the front line that has changed this this part of the season around. I think Kerr ultimately knows, and he's got four rings to prove it, what wins in the playoffs. And as much as you want to see young guys developed, I don't know if it was fair to expect last season, and certainly not their rookie season, someone like Kaminga and Moody their first time in the playoffs or near a playoff series to be ready to contribute, even if they had gotten more rope in the regular season. I'm very curious to see how this postseason Kaminga plays as finally a guy that is in the starting lineup, that is not looking over his shoulder, and that has been empowered or has forced Steve Kerr to empower him. How does he play in a playoff series? That's to me why the Wiggins thing is is important to me from a basketball standpoint, because... I'm just worried that if Wiggins is not at his best, the Warriors inherently cannot be at their best because in the playoffs, it is about experience. It is about vets. And when you look at a team like Denver, if you're just measuring you know, starting fives, well, they have all the players right now in their primes, but they now have championship experience. KCP's got multiple titles. Jokic is at the top of his game. But they have players that have been battle-tested. The Warriors have plenty of experience from their you know, their big three and their core, but their young guys still are yet... They don't have as much experience. Um, so that's why, to me, the Wiggins thing is, I guess, a little bit interesting, just because... I do feel like Kerr is going to get him back into the starting lineup when he and if he returns, just because he knows that's the winning equation. I would agree with you. I think the original question that we were bannering about is, what do you do with Moses Moody going forward? Yeah, and I think it's more of a reflection on Moses Moody. While Wiggins, if you're if you're going to make that run in the postseason. And you talk about dethroning the Denver Nuggets. Yes, you're going to need the best version of, of Andrew Wiggins, and you're going to need that experience. I completely agree with you. Things change when you get to the postseason. But what do you do with Moses Moody when he returns? Has Moses Moody to you made the case that the idea that this is just a numbers game and we can't play you, or you're relegated to mm-hmm. just a few minutes a game, is that still applicable? Because I would argue no. Uh, Moses Moody has proven to everybody that now... He needs an opportunity to get some serious run. Granted that you're going 12 deep, but I, I told you I laid out how I think it should take place. Yep. We're Sarge, Looney, uh, being removed from the rotation and also cutting into the minutes of one Pajemski as well as Clay Thompson. Yeah, the Looney thing is interesting because I, I mean, I, I, God love him. He's not been very good this year. But, but he is 6'9. He is 6'9, and he's also bit, he's played in a lot of big games. And he's played well in big games, even if he hasn't played consistently well throughout this season. Like, do I think if the Warriors get to a postseason series against probably one of the top four seeds, right? Or they will play one of the top four seeds if they get in. I think Looney, at early in that series, is probably going to play more than Trace Jackson Davis. And we might be having the same conversation again of, well, 
Do you actually trust the young guys? It's not that I, it's not that I don't think Kerr trusts young players, but you have to go with, in my opinion, who's been there in the moment before. So it, it's a delicate balance, and we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I think your question about Moody. So to me, where I would look would be a couple players. I think you're right. Charge, to me, he, he's played himself out of the rotation. Like, I, God love him. If he's not hitting shots at a, at a high clip, I, I just don't think he helps you. I think he hurts you so much on defense, even when they slide him to the four and they have Looney or Dre or uh, TJD at the five, I think Sarge just really hurts you. The only thing that he helps with is spacing the floor for someone like Kaminga, because I think when Sarge goes to the four, Kaminga can play more of the three. But I also think that Sarge has taken some minutes away at the four from Kaminga. So it's not just Moody, it's also JK. I'm looking at, you know, I, I think last night's game is probably tough to kind of configure minutes because uh, you had multiple players out. You had pods out. Clay was back in the starting lineup. Wiggins is obviously out. And then also Gary Payton the second. But I think Payton's minutes are probably best around 10 because I just think he's a little injury prone. Not that he's not a good player, but I wouldn't want to work him more than, I would say, 15 minutes just because af- I'm afraid he's going to break down. And he might have even got hurt against New York. Um you know, I think what Kerr has done quietly with someone like Draymond Green can allow Moody to play a little bit more. Like, for example, since Draymond Green came back, you know he hasn't played more than 30 minutes in a single game. Like, that is also kind of quietly significant. I think Pajemski doesn't need to play 30 to 35 minutes a game. I think he could play in 25 and give some of those minutes to Moody. So I, I'm with you. I think Sharich shrinking out of the rotation wholly, which he kind of did against Toronto. I think keeping the backup five position not as in the limelight or not bringing it... Like, you don't have to play, I think, a traditional center as much as some people would want on certain nights. And then I think bringing Pajemski's minutes down a little bit, along with keeping Draymond and Steph's minutes to around 30 or below, I think that's enough to carve out 15 minutes for Moses Moody. Quinones is not going to play. How about elevating Kaminga's minutes as well? I think I think that's something that, that that's to me more related to Sharich than it is to Moody because I think they Moody and JK play different spots. But you're right, yeah, I, I completely agree, uh, and I want to continue that conversation on the other side. I also, see calls eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero is the number. Getting into the conversation. Also, we will get into uh, Draymond Green and and Bonte Hill's interaction after the Knicks game because Dan has had a long history of being in those positions, being on television, being in locker rooms, talking to big boys, and I want to know what he thought about how Bonte, as well as Draymond Green, handled that. All of that is in the final hour coming up next year on Warriors This Week. Evan Giddings alongside Dan Devone, back after this on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.